You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Sayon Sarkar. Welcome to the show, Sayon. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. I'm really excited to get into it with you for the course building community, people building membership sites, coaching programs. Um, what, you've got a lot going on, a lot of marketing smarts, system <laughs> smarts, entrepreneur smarts, and I'm going to see how much value I can mine out of your experience and knowledge today. Um, so Sayon is, he has experience in scaling e-commerce, specifically in the health industry and in the niche of supplements. And then he has Sark Media Direct. You can find that at sarkmediadirect.com where he teaches people how to start and grow a successful health e-commerce or consulting business. So it kind of it start, you have this two market thing going on. You figured out this thing with um, e-commerce and doing your own thing in Amazon. And then you developed a program, a second market, where you're going to teach other people how to do what you did. Mm-hmm. How, how did that evolve from like doing the one thing to doing the two things? Yeah, so it first evolved as a way. So like I got successful in my supplement business and I had people asking me what, what to do, how to do it. Because what I did was kind of weird in a sense, right? So a lot of my business growth came from offline marketing, mm-hmm. um, which means newspapers primarily. Um, so people in the industry, like my friends, people I knew were like, how the hell did you do offline marketing? Right? Cause everyone these days, of course you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. Um, so it was a new and different thing. And I had companies ask me for help. So I started working together with a few bigger companies in the space. Um, and it kind of began as like just consulting with them, telling them what to do, um, you know, for, for decent retainer per month. Um, and over time it evolved. I realized there's a huge, huge opportunity in place for me to help others to show them what I've done to grow their businesses. Um, and at the same time, make it essentially like, uh, you know, what I learned from uh, Jay Abraham, who I'm sure you guys know, uh, his whole thing is like, you, if you get successful in one place, you then duplicate that somewhere else. You license your model in a sense somewhere else. Um, so I realized I could do that with my business. I was doing it for myself for, you know, at the time, five, six years. Um, I had then done it for some big clients in that first year or so. And I realized I can then show this to everyone else, make another business out of it. Um, and basically grow my companies more that way. That's awesome. And so you weren't like a, an expert being like, which course should I make? And like going to try to find a market, the market yeah. was already <laughs> knocking on the door. Like, how'd you do that? Can I hire you to consult for me, put you on a retainer? And then you, you figured out how to kind of productize and scale that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, thank you. I want to get into the marketing stuff in a little bit, but, um, especially doing things kind of in a counterintuitive way where, you know, while, everybody's going online. You're like, what about traditional offline marketing and stuff like that? I think that, I think that's brilliant. But before, before we get into that, um, looking at your website, when I see this website, I see somebody who's kind of doing modern marketing and has really clear thinking. Everything is strategic from what's on the menu 
to the uh, you know the headline, the subheadline, the call to action. I want to focus specifically on your primary call to action on your homepage, which is at sarkmediadirect.com, dot com, mm-hmm. which is a free strategy call. That's another thing where people are so busy automating everything and putting forms up there that they're they're not or they don't put their phone number on the website or a link to schedule a call. While the world is trying to automate everything, why are you getting on the phone with people? I mean, simply put, like to do business at the scale that I want with the people I want, um, I don't, look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with selling a low ticket course for like, whether it's 47 or or even a thousand or whatever it is. But for me, I have a high ticket program. I like to work with clients who pay more money, who value my time more and who get results. So, one of the biggest things I've seen in the industry, in my industry this past year is that there are a lot of people who want to start a health supplement company and they went through all the courses. They bought all the books, all the trainings from other, other experts, right? But they didn't see results because the problem with the course um, is yes, as, like, as the expert, you can scale a ton, but unless you have more in place for more direct support working with that client one-on-one, it's hard for them to see results. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we've seen in, at least in my industry where it's like a lot of internet marketers, people who want, you know, to start a new business, um, no one wants to admit it, but like people buy these books and courses and do nothing with it for like years. They keep, they just keep buying more courses and do nothing with it. So, um, I mean, that's cool and all, and, and, you know, fine, if they want to do it, that's what they want to do. But I want to find kind of like the cream of the crop, the ones who want to take action, who want to, you know, pay for my support one-on-one and to work with them. And to do that, I'm not going to have a, I mean, yes, a website's good and so on, but like, I want to get on the phone with them, not just have a sales page or a VSL. I want to talk to them, get to know them, get to know what their goals are, what they want to do, make sure that we're a fit for each other. Um, You know, not just take their money, just make sure that we're going to work together, make sure that Hey, if you're gonna pay me, yes, I will make sure it works for you, um, and that can be done, you know, with a text sales page or VSL only, at least from my experience. How do you define a, a, a high ticket program? Like, what price range are we talking about that you consider a high ticket program? So I consider anything above a three k or so price point. So three k for roughly eight weeks. Um, so my courses are or my programs are more than that, but like at the minimum high ticket to me is 3k or, or above. Yeah. I think most people, most do not buy stuff multi thousand dollars without talking to a human being. It's just yeah, kind of, exactly. it's just kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, who or what, I guess, are some of your influ- influences, like as you've developed to the person you are today that develop, like what influenced you as a marketer, a salesperson, a consultant, an e-commerce guy? Like who are some of your top influences? You mentioned Jay Abraham. Who else? Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many. Um, I mean, Gary, so when it comes to copywriting and direct response marketing, there's Gary Halbert, uh, Dan Kennedy, um, a lot of old school stuff like David David Ogilvy, Eugene Schwartz, all these old school copywriters who really understood and and put together the framework on how to really sell via print. And they did it 50 years ago. And like, um, this is another, you know, maybe it's just me, but it's funny to me how like everyone thinks, Oh, like there's this like new method out 
now for copywriting and it's like no like this the, like people haven't changed or are there um, their emotions and what they respond to has not changed in hundreds even thousands of years so like by looking at what was already done in the past what was pioneered in the past and adapting on that for our current needs it's so much faster and easier to, to succeed than trying to reinvent the wheel you know from scratch yeah that's that's such a good point um <clears throat> So there's like the three mega niches we I see course creators operating in. There's health and wellness, mm-hmm. um, business, and then like relationship stuff. Those are like the three mega niches. Yeah. And what happens sometimes in this industry, like you mentioned, I call it the dirty little secret of membership sites is people get into like course consumption mode and like there's like, it's the industry standard is less than 10% completion rates. It's a huge, exactly. huge problem out there. Um, but sometimes, you know, the, what's working is a little bit counterintuitive. So, and one of the problems that happens, unfortunately, to smart entrepreneurs who are trying to develop themselves, uh, their knowledge so that they can effectively teach, build a business, um, design training that works correctly, build an email list, all these things they, they have to do, they get into like course consumption mode and they start hanging out with a lot of other entrepreneurs and stuff. And they get even more and more detached from their target market. So I just wanted to put that into context to ask you, um, what's something that we can learn from the health and fitness industry, specifically the supplement industry, in terms of uh, what the market, how the market maybe behaves in a counterintuitive way? Like, how do you sell to supplements that? where there's like a buying behavior or something that's just different from like how entrepreneurs buy stuff or consume things. Like what's a, what's a, what's something we can learn from your industry experience specific to supplements? Okay. And just to clarify, you, you mean like my experience selling like B to C selling supplements in general to consumers? Yeah. Like what can we, okay. what can we, what's a tip, a counterintuitive insight that we can learn from how supplement shoppers buy? Yeah. So it might not be counterintuitive if you listen to all my podcasts because I, I say this all the time. But um, yeah. I think everyone, that or not everyone, a lot of people, they go for making a great product or, or a course or whatever it is first. They don't look for that market need first. So they first, like, and in supplements, what that means is people go out and they say, I'm going to make a great product for like my, for brain health or whatever. Um, and like, that's that's fine, right? But like, what I do is I say, okay, if I look at like the cross section of America, what are people suffering the most from? And it's not brain health. It, it could be memory. It could be focus. Um, it has to be more specific, right? So everyone goes out and they say, I'm going to like, and this was me too. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying um, I have made these mistakes, but like my first product, I made a great product with everything in it that was like the all-in-one supplement. And all-in-one means it's for nobody. There's no clear distinction on what this is for, um, who it helps, how it helps them. Long story short, I was thinking of myself and my product first and not the customer. And I have a lot of clients who come to me today, same thing, right? Like they have a great product or they've done all the research on the ingredients and like, sure, it could help somebody, but they never thought about the customer first. So the way they message and position themselves is wrong. And that's why it doesn't sell. Um, 
And the same thing relates here to whether it's courses or my consulting and so on. It's like, I can go out and make a course and say, oh, here's how to grow your business. But like, who does that help, right? Instead, what I do is I, I said, okay, here is a market I know, people who want to get into the health supplement business. I know they have a big problem because they're struggling to scale um, or they're struggling to get started. Now let me position my offer and my, uh, my services around their need. And that's why I believe it became so successful because I spoke directly to that person and what they wanted. Um, and I made that the focal point of my services, right? What do they need? How can I help them first and create content that, that really fits their needs? Um, and that's worked in any industry I've done, whether it's for myself or for clients. It's always finding that customer's big kind of bleeding neck problem. Like, what are they really suffering from? And like, like you know, one, one way I learned about it from one of my old mentors, Craig Valentine, um, he always talked about like, especially in the health industry, like, if it's weight loss, there's, there's some like 55, 60 year old woman, she's crying herself to sleep tonight because you have the solution to her product and you don't know how to sell it properly to her, right? Cause she wants to lose weight so badly and look good and feel good about herself, but she can't, she hates herself. And it's my duty to make a product that's, that talks to her and gets her to understand that I have the actual, you know, the final solution for her problem. And like, unless I think of her first and how I can help her, I will not get to that end result. And we, you know, we all suffer as a result. That's fantastic. I want to go a little deeper <laughs> into that and do like a little scenario with you. Like, let's imagine that I studied physiology, health and physiology in college. And then I became, while I worked as a personal trainer and I'm an athlete, and then I went down to the jungles of somewhere and I studied herbology and all these different things. And then I got really into biohacking yep. and I'm just fascinated by the human condition and health. And I want to live to be uh, like 200 or whatever. And I'm working <laughs> yeah. on that from my, from 18 years old. And I decide that I want to become, I want to do some courses. I want to help people. And I, I just, I'm listening to this, what this episode and I've got so much stuff banging around in my head. I've got great results for myself. But how do I actually get out and do that market research or get that customer? Like, how do I uncover the problems and the experiences of people like that person who's overweight, crying herself to sleep? Like, how do I actually do the market research and get focus? Yeah. So first of all, if you already know a lot of it, it's great. Like for me, like when I was making my, my consulting for health supplement companies, I already knew what they struggle with because that was me, you know, my first few years. So like that's step one. If you already are that customer in a sense, that's amazing. Most of you might not be right. So for me, I had to learn about weight loss for women because I knew weight loss myself and the struggles that I went, went through, but I didn't know what, you know, a 55 year old woman cares about when it comes to weight loss. So for that, um, one of the biggest things that I've done, I've done over time is I have read everything I could about that person. So what that means is like, maybe not reading, but skimming through, you know, women's world magazine, skimming through people magazine, um, going on to other Amazon products that are similar to yours, reading the reviews and seeing what do people complain about? What's wrong with this product? What are they suffering from? Because you have to see what they're saying in their own words and how they feel and think about that problem. And that's how to really get inside their head. Um, 
you know, I was telling somebody, I think it was a client the other day about joint pain, right? So like if you have a joint pain supplement, if you're not in that niche, you might think, oh, okay, like, you know, like maybe that customer's back hurts or their leg hurts or whatever. So they need a product to solve their joint pain. And that's true to an extent. But if you do the research, what it really is, is it's, I mean, there are obviously all cross sections of people, but the majority of these buyers, um, they're like 50, 60, 70 year old women who have arthritis in their knees and or their wrists. And you got to put that into their words. So it's not just like, hey, you know, does your wrist hurt? Take this. It's, hey, are you having trouble opening that jar of peanut butter in the morning? And like, that's what they feel because they think to themselves, holy crap, I'm opening this jar of peanut butter and I can't even do it. My wrists hurt so much or I can't even walk up the stairs. And like, that's getting into their head and understanding not only what they're suffering from, but how they think about it. And like, that doesn't come from, um, I, I mean, it comes from surveying, but like, if you can't survey, which like, to be honest, I've been very successful in most of my things and I have not surveyed people directly. I've not like, I mean, I probably should have, <laughs> maybe it would have been even better, but like, I didn't like talk to many customers. I mean, I did read what they wrote into us and so on, but like, I didn't do surveying in the traditional sense, but because I've read so much and just like paid attention to what's being said in the market and what people are writing, whether it's Amazon or, or Reddit is, is a great source, um, all these different places where people, they're writing online, you know, they already are looking for that outlet they're going to forums and, and writing their problems out for you. So it's up to you as that entrepreneur to pay attention and find out what they want to know and solve that for them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really awesome. And it's, uh, it sounds to me like even without like formal surveying, they say that, you know, sometimes people don't know the solution. They just, they, what they really know about is their problem. So if you've become an expert in the problem, not just like, natural joint pain cure is what you're going to do but like they have trouble opening peanut butter or you know getting into the car or whatever it's mm -hmm. you're you're getting really inside the the mind there um exactly let's switch gears and get into what you discovered in terms of offline marketing in an online mm -hmm. world um apparently people still read the newspaper <laughs> quite a bit yeah <laughs> I mean, probably not me and you, but like the customers of supplements, they're still reading it. <laughs> well, that's, I want to ask about that. Like, um, like I'm an online guy, like software company, you know, we're yeah. in a virtual meeting right now, podcasting <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff, but I don't, I don't have a newspaper mailbox or anything like that, but like, talk about like people get in a bubble, I think, and they, they, they start thinking, they don't understand their market or they start thinking their market's like them, but how many people still read newspapers or how did you know that this was a good channel? So I don't have the exact number, but I think the last I heard, there's like 70 something million people who, not, not who read, but who receive newspapers over the course of a month. It might be a month or I'm not sure, but it's like multiple millions. Yeah, multiple millions. And I mean, look, again, they're not they're not our age, but like, they're the ones who are kind of the main buyers of supplements, which most people don't realize, but there are a lot of younger buyers of products, you know, whether it's nootropics or other kind of supplements, but the biggest buyers actually are 50 plus year old men and women, you know, cause they, they're the ones who have the most joint pain and diabetes and, and 
weight problems and so on. So a lot of them are still reading papers. They're in their mail. They're listening to the radio. They're watching TV, right? And that's why if you look at like some of the biggest uh, direct response companies, you think of like um, Proactive and like Flawless Beauty and all these ones, they're still on TV. You know, they're, they're spending millions of dollars a month on TV um, because maybe not Proactive, but like Guffy Ranker, who's the owner of Proactive, all of their products, they, they lean towards that older demographic. And like, you kind of got to go where they are. Um, as to where I learned about it, so I first learned from a guy named Doberman Dan. He's uh, Dan Galpo. He's like a kind of supplement um, expert in a sense. So like I learned from him probably five, six years ago. And he kind of opened up my mind to the idea of the papers. Um, and I was in one of his programs back then. So like we would review some of my copy and stuff on calls with him. And basically he walked me through the process um, and I started doing it myself. And obviously, you know, the, the first few runs sucked, you know, my copy needed work and so on. But over time I figured it out and that was, you know, five years ago and I've been doing it since then um, for myself and clients and it still works because that's where that customer is, you know? Um, so again, it's kind of, it's kind of what I was saying before going back to thinking about that customer and like what they want, where they are, you know, what they want to hear, what they're used to, you know, they're used to papers, they're used to radio. Um, they've been listening to those and watching those for the last 30, 40 years of their lives. Yeah. And like it's not going to change, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> could you, uh, it's the, it's the original content marketing really. I mean, in a sense, yeah. Can you describe the difference between an advertorial and just a regular newspaper ad or whatever? Like what's an advertorial? Yeah. So that's a great question, right? So you have like companies like just big companies who like they'll advertise in the papers, but like they have these really big image ads. They'll have an ad of like, you know, some products and like people, you know, laughing and using the product and being all happy and stuff. And like, and, and like some really light copy of like, you know, 20 words copy. And that's like an ad, right? And yeah. that doesn't work, at least has not worked for me. Um, I tried it once for a client and it was about 10 times worse than the advertorial we wrote for them. So um, the advertorial always works. I mean, the copy has to be done properly, but if it's done properly, it works. Um, and what it is, is essentially, it's a 1000 word article in a sense that has selling kind of baked into the article. So you're presenting your article as a news story in a sense. And of course it's, it's pretty obvious from the get go, you're selling a product, but the way it's written, it has a mix of content and selling. Um, and actually like you guys probably, if you watch any like native ads online. So if you're on like MSNBC or whatever site on the sidebar, there are these ads. A lot of them, if you click them, they'll go to, kind of an online pre-sell page and a pre-sell page is very similar to an advertorial. Essentially it's this like 1000 word story um, with content and selling weaved in. And that's what you're doing. Essentially you're putting an ad in that is half ad, half article. It's giving them information. It's presenting it in a newsworthy way. Um, and then the last, you know, hundred words is basically a harder sell to get them to call in to the call center and buy. Um, what, what's the content in the advertorial? Like, let's imagine we were doing it for a training program or course or something like that. What is it like sort of a case study hero's journey? Like meet Sally, Sally had this problem and then just go through her whole journey of transformation through the product or like what's, what are, what are some good angles for the non-selling content? 
or the story? So I've seen some done with that story. Um, and some of them have worked, but it tends to be less of that. So like we use a lot of that story style for our VSLs and, and content online. Mm-hmm. Um, but offline, it, it tends to be, um, so there are three ways, right? One really is talking about like the social proof of your product, how much everyone's buying it. I mean, it has to be real, but let's say you launched online first. It's very popular. You then create a story around like, hey, it's, it's selling a lot online and you build this kind of social proof aspect into it. Um, similarly, so people online, you, you might see people doing like Americans going crazy over this new whatever, like they have these native ads all over the internet for that. It's that whole idea of like, everyone's going crazy for it. It's so popular. Um, so that's one, right? That social proof angle of like, this is amazing. And then selling the product kind of from the get-go. Um, but using the power of people's, um, you know, just social proof, right? Like if, if your friend's doing it and if all of America's doing it, then why aren't you, right? Like, like what's wrong? So that kind of gets people um, to act in some niches. Other ones, you're talking directly about benefits. So again, you're selling a product from the get-go, but you're still weaving in content. So it's not a, an entire sales pitch. You might talk about the ingredients, where the ingredient was discovered, what it does, how it works. And then near the end, it's again, the pitch for the product. Um, lastly is what's called a credibility pitch. And that's all around some credible expert or, or university or whatever that has backed one of the ingredients in the formula. Um, so like a headline might be like, you know, doctor from Johns Hopkins discovers new solution for turmeric. Uh, yeah, yeah, new solution for whatever, right? So like yeah. just some way to bring in that angle of credibility while still presenting it as a news story, right? Like like, like your headline is not saying, you know. Buy my buy, stuff. Yeah, yeah, buy this for half off. It's saying doctor discovers new pill for blood sugar or whatever, right? So it's presented like a very, um, you know, article-based, unique way. So. So how, like for example, for supplements that might be relevant to an older population that are all over the place in the U.S. and abroad, um, how do you target or choose a newspaper? How do you start? And can you give us an idea of like costs of these types of things or yep. what, or are they magazines? Like what's the cost and like how do we start small and validate or do we just go big? Like how small is an initial try at attack at this? Yeah. So you always start small and test. Yeah. I mean, similar to really any kind of advertising, right? So we'll start with um, a $3,000 buy in, in 30 papers. So basically you're spending an average of a hundred bucks or so per paper. And is um, that, is that, is there like a broker you work with to, to, yeah. Oh, okay. so yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like I'm not going and buying stuff myself. That would be not a good use of my time or yours. Right. So we use brokers. Um, one that we love, uh, they're called macro mark. Um, they're here in upstate New York. Um, and essentially they've been doing this for, you know, 30 plus years in the health and other industries. So they've been doing newspapers and direct mail primarily. Um, and so essentially we'll work with them. We'll give them our test budget. They will put together a media plan of these smaller papers. And the way it works is you start with these smaller local papers because last thing you want to do is spend 3k on one paper your ad yeah. bombs and you're out 3k, right? So, so you split it between, you know, 25, 30 different smaller papers, get an idea of what's working. Um, and on top of that, so we'll do 3k, but we'll do it over two ads. 
So basically you have the same ad with two different headlines. Um, because a lot of times one headline could be the difference between a horrible campaign and one that scales for months and months on end. How do you track the conversion? Is it a unique link or a coupon code? Or how do you know that the lead is coming from that? that we actually action? drive to a call center. Um, okay. And each paper has a different uh, toll-free number. Gotcha. So basically every call that goes in is tracked and we know from which paper it's from and we know how many sales it did. Um, so yeah, that's the entire process. It's a little different because it's you know offline marketing and it's, and it's old school and so on. Um, so yeah. I mean, we, we again cater to that customer and we know that they're used to newspapers. They're used to calling in and speaking to somebody on the phone. Um, you know, if they're 80 years old, they're not going online to buy most likely. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So we put a toll free number in there and have them call a call center and we just pay the call, call center on commission for each sale that they make. Is that, do you have any recommendations of a call center or how to go about like finding one to work with that's skilled at this kind of thing? Yeah, so we use Great Falls Marketing for most of them. There are a lot of them. They're actually up in, um, I forget the town, but they're, they're in Maine, actually. Uh, and basically, there's like 10 call centers in this like three-mile radius. Um, but we've used Great Falls for a while, and, and they're one of the best. And um, they also do, so they, they again, similar to Macamark, Great Falls has been doing kind of inbound sales for, direct response offline companies in newspapers, direct mail, radio, TV. So they know what they're doing. They've been doing it for decades. Um, so yeah, those are the, the ones to go with if you're going to try this out. And when that validates, you also recommend doing radio ads, direct yeah. response radio ads. How do we get in the game with that? And how is, how is a radio ad different from an advertorial as an example? Yep. So similar to the brokers. So like we basically work with agencies in the space. Um, there are two ways to do it. Um, so one is you can work with a per inquiry radio agency, which means you only pay them per call that comes in, which actually saves you some money on the front end. So it helps you kind of test the off route and only pay when calls come in. Um, the only problem is it's hard to get scale with them. So then after your ad is validated, you can then go to an actual cash media buying agency. So paying cash up front. Um, and again, you know, I mean, you, you need some more money for it, but a five or 10 K buy is the kind of minimum buy-in. But again, if you're doing well in the papers already, um, it's a good time to scale links. You have cash flow coming in from the papers. You can divert some of that towards radio. Um, and the way we do it, which, you know, I, so I love papers cause I kind of, that was one of the ones I started in, yeah. but I love radio even more cause radio is so it's not easy, but like it's, a one minute ad, right? So you're writing 170 words a copy. It's like, I mean, every word has to count. So that's the hard part, but it's also easy because it's like you're writing 170 words. And if that ad works, you're gonna make six figures a month on that campaign. So it's like, it makes it so, not easy but again, but like it makes it so so much more simple than like online, you're writing like, like a 10,000 word sales letter. Um, even in the papers, you're writing a 1,000 word advertorial. And if it bombs, you got to write a new one, and that takes more time. In radio, it's like 200 words or less. Um, so it makes it a lot easier to, to really test new creative and get in there. Um, and again, if it works, it scales pretty well. So Is the radio the same thing where the call to action is to a phone number so you can track so, the source? Yeah, but, so we actually done a lot with uh, text messaging. So that's okay. a bit different because 
we just have seen that work. So we've used it. Um, but essentially it's like, you know, text the word, uh, you know, uh, sugar to, to four, 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 three, 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 you know, whatever the number is. So they'll text and then they'll get a text message back. Um, and essentially you'll have an image of the product or whatever it is with a link and then they'll go online. So that's one way we can do a toll free number, but we've done a lot more text messaging called actions and it's worked very well for us. Um, so yeah, that's what we recommend. Let's say I'm going to do, I have a course and I'm going to do a radio ad or, or even like a podcast um, sponsorship ad and I've got my 60 seconds. What do I put in that? What kind of content do I put in the 60 seconds? Like what, what's my, what are some approaches? So the biggest thing that I found, um, and, and actually, I mean, it's not me who's found it. Right. So, so like, like in general, right. Like, you always want to think of whatever your, your ad is, whether it's in radio or, or Facebook or, or whatever it is, as all you want them to do is take action on that ad. So what that means is like in the radio ad, you don't need them to buy on that ad. You need them just to make contact with you and either call in or text you in, right? So what that means is you do the best you can to convince them that yes, they must text or call right this second. Um, so what that means, for example, is like we so so we have we have one of our ads running right now, which this one actually is going to a toll free number. Um, but essentially, what we do is that um, we we offer three kind of free bonuses within the ad, and the idea is if you do nothing else, at least just call this number to get your free bonuses. Um, and so what happens is we're not thinking of, Hey, I want you to spend a hundred bucks with me. We're thinking, Hey, I want you to take this free thing. So just call us and do it right now. Um, and that gets the most people in the door. And then it's a job of the call center to then convert some of them to sales. Um, so when it comes to whether it's a course or program, again, the idea is you want to do whatever you can, um, in a way of. I mean, what I've seen work, again, is free bonuses or other free stuff. It could be, you know, like a free digital report or a free whatever it is, but something free that gets them, that's so low risk that they're forced to say, all right, I'll call in. All right, I'll text in, whatever the case is. Um, so the internet did not invent the lead magnet, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's, correct. it's been around for a while. <laughs> I actually got something the other day. I, I'm trying to remember how it came in, even came into my awareness it might have been even been just a random newspaper I picked up and it was like, come by this car dealership and um, we will give you, you're going to like draw a thing and you're either going to get $5 or a hundred dollars. And I, I went, I went, yeah, by. Exactly. I, I was driving by and that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's like a really old school tactic and they could tell I wasn't really shopping for a car, so they didn't try too hard, but it, yeah. it works. It works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Because like, again, like, all you have to do is think, how can I get this person to stop what they're doing and, and either give us a call or walk in the door? And then after that, they'll focus on step two, which is, okay, which of these guys might be interested? Let's talk to them and get them to buy. Um, so that's yeah, that same process, whatever industry you're in, um, just always think of that as like, get them to act first and figure out the rest later on. <laughs> what are some direct mail tips? I mean, a lot of people, like you mentioned newspaper is some people think oh it's that's an old school advertising but it actually works it works quite well what about mm -hmm. getting stuff in the mail or 
lumpy mail or all these like old school copywriting techniques, what works or what have you, what are some examples of some functioning direct mail campaigns that you've seen do well? So the most important thing with direct mail is because it's such an expensive medium yeah. is you want to get something in there that already has seen some kind of progress and success elsewhere. So what that means is like one of the biggest things we do when we're scaling clients into direct mail is we have their ad working in the newspapers first. Okay. So you're validated. Yeah. Well, what, what's that? You're validated. Like you've, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're validated at a much lower price point, much less risk. We get it working there first. Then we turn that into what's called a direct mail tear sheet. Um, and a tear sheet essentially is that pa- that paper ad blown up a ton, um, folded up with a post note on top. Um, it's in personalized, handwritten font. Um, we put it in an envelope, like a normal white envelope. And again, the address is handwritten on the front. It's done in a very personalized manner. Um, and the open rate on that is very high because you essentially are getting this letter in the mail that seems like it was written you know, by somebody personally. Um, so the open rate's high, conversion rate's very high. But again, that's only because we got it working first in the papers and knew that that ad brought in the most response. Um, so what that means essentially is like, of course, if you're not in papers, that's okay. But like, if you're, let's say you have a business doing well online, you can do direct mail retargeting. So you can, you can target the people who came onto your site and send them a postcard. But again, you're still looking at the the interest already there that has some success and building a campaign out of that. Like instead of going in and spending 30K on an entire new campaign and having a bomb. So you're finding ways to work your way in based on what works or where there's interest first. Um, and that's what we always recommend because like, again, direct mail is a very expensive medium. And like the last thing you want to do is spend 15K on a copywriter 20 25k on the mailing and printing costs and then you know waste almost all that money excellent well those are some really good tips and insights i want to talk to you about your program over at sarkmediadirect.com um how like you mentioned you really piqued my interest earlier in the show when you mentioned your dedication to results and success. I mean, that's what people, especially at high ticket price points are buying. They, they really want it to work out and get the results promised in the marketing and they're committed, especially if they're spending a lot of money. Like how do you design a program, a high ticket program that's, you know, going to get good results for people and, and like dependably? Yeah. So, so the biggest thing, which was the hardest part was making all that material and making sure the material that I made, um, had everything they needed to succeed, but not more. Right. Okay. Um, and, and even right now, like there's still a problem with that because there's still a little bit too much information in the program, which will help them, but it's just too much stuff. Right. So like you have to be, you have to find that fine line between like what gets them results without overwhelming them because my program it's eight weeks long for the first phase, right? So you have to make sure that within those eight weeks, they have the resources they need to scale their business, but not so much that they just like, you know, they get stuck in, in, in this like analysis paralysis and do nothing. Um, so yeah, the, the first phase phase essentially is you have to record great material that you know is going to work. And, you know, of course that means you have to have, that success already in that niche in some way, shape or form, 
whether that's you personally or if you want to hire an expert, that's okay. But like, um, I recommend having that that foundation already because like there are people who I've heard from who are kind of they hear high ticket, they hear it's it's it works great, so they go and make a course, um, but they don't know what they're doing, and the clients get no results, and it's really bad because you're kind of scamming them, right? So like, yeah. um, the biggest thing to do is is whether it's whether it's you as the course creator. Or if you want to hire a coach who knows what they're doing, is making sure that your content actually is going to help them, um, and then kind of figuring out, you know, what is the best out of this, what moves the needle the most, and what gets them results without overwhelming them. Um, putting that all into this kind of eight-week course, in a sense. Um, but what it really is is like the course would, if it was just that, then you can sell it for, you know, two k and call it a day. What we do is we have a ton of support baked in. So we have two uh, kind of small live group coaching calls every week um, to do Monday and Thursday. And essentially Monday is like our planning call. So we'll get on the phone with all the clients. Um, Basically they'll check in. They'll tell me what they've done the previous week. And then I will walk them through what they should be doing next for the rest of the week. Um, So Monday really sets the stage for the next five days to make sure they're on track and that they know what to do to keep things moving. Um, Because again, like you don't want to have somebody just have all this material in this program and not know how to move forward. Um, So really that's all about guiding, you know, guiding the way for them, telling them what to do, telling them what not to do. Because a lot of times like, you know, if you're in this industry, whatever industry it is, you've already spent a lot of time and energy figuring things out or trying to do things. So like, when you hear advice from me, which might sound counterintuitive, you think, oh, actually, well, well I heard it's something else somewhere else. So I'm going to do this instead. And you fall off track. So it's my job to tell them, hey, look, like, don't do that. <laughs> like, just do this thing right here. Focus on it and it will work. Um, so, yeah, that's really the, that planning stage. Um, all of that is on Monday. And then Thursday, oops, sorry, one second, I got a freaking call coming in. Sorry about that. Okay. You're good. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and step two is basically um, what we call the implementation and Q&A call. So, of course, there's Q&A in, in the Monday call too, but Thursday is like all about like what problems you're having, what challenges, what questions do you have, um, whether it's on your tech, whether it's your copy, whether it's your ads, whatever the case is, bring it to that call. Let's, let's screen share. Let's go over it in detail. Um, bring those questions to me and let's help you solve them. Um, on top of that, we have a copy call every other week. So clients will submit their copy. So um, I have a copy coach for that also. So I'm on the calls as well, but he also has, is great at online copy. So he does those calls also. So the clients will submit their copy two days in advance. Um, the copy coach will review them over the next two days and then on the call dive deep into what to change um, why to change it and help them understand the entire process. Um, and all three of those are group calls, right? Yeah. 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 So you do group calls. So, I mean, I was doing one-on-one before, but I realized that, um, like for, for, you know, and maybe this sounds wrong, but, but it shouldn't, um, for what I've been able to do for my clients in terms of their results, um, for me to do one-on-one calls with every client, it's a bad use of my time. And it means that other clients cannot get my time and my support. So basically we've moved into this group model where like everyone still gets my direct advice, but I'm not spending 30 hours a week on coaching calls, you know? Um, 
that's so that's right. Yeah, and they can they can learn from each other. I I would imagine oh, sure. like a copy coaching session going on. I mean, light bulbs are going to be going off for everybody, not just the person whose work is being reviewed. Exactly, exactly. Uh, oh, and also we have a Facebook group, so yeah, similar to that. So people drop questions and and concerns in Facebook, and then I'll answer them, or someone else will jump in from, from the group and answer. Right. So people start working together in that sense. They help each other out because you know people are in there at all different stages. Um, so some of them might be six weeks into the program, whereas one of them is in week one. So, you know, the guy in week six can have that guidance for the week one guy and give that feedback without me jumping in. So it's like, it's nice how you see like, like, yes, I'm there for them, but they end up being there for each other also. That's fantastic. And I like how you mentioned that you, um, you have like a, a, is it eight week process? Yeah, eight weeks. And then you said phase one. Um, one of the things that happens in this industry is you, you mentioned earlier that you, you're like, how do I give them as much results as I can with the minimum amount of information and, and commitment? Because uh, attention is scarce. Like you have to mm-hmm. respect and protect that. Um, how did you end up at eight weeks? And like putting the chopping off the end and be like, you know what? That's phase one. We got to stop here. Or, you know, where you got to be here to start and you got to be here to stop eight weeks. How did so, you, how'd you come to that? So it actually was a very frustrating realization that made me do it. So okay. we had clients who, um, so we had a year long program that a lot of clients ended up joining. And I noticed that at month three, they had gotten less done than the clients who had joined the shorter program. So what happens is when you buy into this long-term program, I'm not sure what it is, but like you just tell yourself, oh, I have 12 months. I'll just do it later. So people stop getting the same results because they waited long and they thought to themselves, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do it some other time. Um, and, and that sucks, right? Like, like, why, like, a, why have you, like, why should you pay all this money per month to not get results because you're being lazy. And why should I have you in the group if, again, you're going to skip the calls, you're not doing the work, um, and five months later, you're you're coming to me with questions that should have been handled in week two. So um, a lot of it is like how we maximize client results, and it is forcing that short time and forcing them to act. Um, And like, you know, I I mean, I guess it's not their fault. It's I think it's human nature. Like, I like this was me yesterday, right? So I, I had a, um, we had this new offer launching, um, in my health company and I had to put new upsells on our pages and like do the copy for them. And, um, I just kept slacking on it. Then we had a big affiliate promote us today. Yeah. So now I'm in a mad rush to get it done. <laughs> because There's a deadline that's forced in place. It's the same thing, right? So like yeah. you know, people, we, we just, we just push things off until we have to do it. Um, and putting that eight week deadline, it forces them to do stuff and get things done. That's awesome. Well, Sayan Sarkar, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can find them at sarkmediadirect.com. Check out this website. If you'd like to get on a call about his, his consulting help, um, there, there's a big button there to get on a strategy call. Uh, is there any other place you want to send people or you know tell them, how to go further with you if they've gotten a ton of value out of this episode? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're on Facebook, of course, Sark Media Direct. Um, so we post up there occasionally. And also, um, 
You could join an email list. If, if you're not ready to talk to us right now, you can go to sarkmediadirect.com slash case-study. So that has a case study of building a six-plus-figure health supplement business pretty quickly. Um, so you can read that whole article, um, opt into the list, and follow us that way as well, um, and go from there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sayon, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I know you got to go. You got you got an impending deadline. You got to write <laughs> yeah. that, that copy there. But um, I really appreciate it. You added a ton of value and I appreciate everything you shared today. Thanks, man. It was awesome to be here. Thanks for having me on. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.